On this episode of the Concast, we're going to discuss five wines to try this holiday season. practicing 45 minutes outside of Toronto, Ontario, and Canada. And welcome to the Concast, a podcast where we discuss all things health, wellness, and injuries in an attempt to better understand the human body. Welcome to episode 47 of the Concast. And for this episode, I wanted to go in a little bit of a different direction. I've wanted to talk a little bit about wine and winemaking and wines that I enjoy for some time on the podcast now and I thought that with the holiday season coming up there'd be no time like the present to talk about some of the best red wines that I have had over the year of 2020 and I've chosen five red wines that I think are a really good bang for your buck some are a little bit more expensive than others and tried to pick a few wines across a number of different varietals or types of wine. So over the last couple of years, my interest in wine has started to become more involved. Rather than just drinking it to drink it, I've started to investigate it a little bit, looked at the science of wine, the art of wine, and I think a lot of this interest comes from my interest in the culinary arts and food and creating and making recipes and how wine pairs with food. For those of you that know, I come from a family of three brothers, all of which are incredibly artistic. They're really good at photography. They're really good at music. And I've never really had that overtly artsy side. But I have said in other podcasts that I think my artsy side comes from creation and then food. I really enjoy cooking. And I think that my interest in wine now has started to allow me to explore that sort of other creative side and look at and investigate wine more from a wine making perspective which is incredibly scientific which is something I already really enjoy and looking at it from the artistic perspective of developing a palate pairing wine with food developing and understanding taste profiles and different elements of wine so that's where this episode is coming from I've been more interested in wine in depth for maybe the last year year and a little bit Before we get into wines that I have chosen, I should preface this episode by saying the wines that I enjoy are big, bold, high tannic wines, and we'll talk a little bit about what a tannin is in a moment, firm finish red wines. I don't really drink a lot of white wine, and so for that reason, all of these wines are red. But in saying that, before we get into this, one line that I heard in my study of wine that I think is really, really important is the best wine is the wine that you enjoy drinking most. And so while we can talk about winemaking types and the price of wine and wine regions and regions in the world that are more famous for wine, at the end of the day, you enjoy what you enjoy. And so my hope is that some of these wines will be wines that you enjoy, but certainly if you don't enjoy them, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily good or bad. They're just not for you. So I just mentioned that I liked 
big, bold, high tannic wine. So what does tannic mean or what is a tannin? A tannin is a bitterness or astringentness within wine. And tannins are a result of a plant-based compound known as a polyphenol. And polyphenols are found in many plants, in things like chocolate, green tea, certain nuts will have them. The skin of walnuts, for example, is quite high in tannins. And tannins give this bitterness as well as potential boldness to wine. And often when you're first exploring wine, people will suggest to really experience a tannin, suck on a green tea bag, and that will give you the experience that you're then looking to taste in wine. Tannins when you're tasting wine are the things that sort of dry out your mouth. So if you take a sip of wine and you get this dryness in the mouth and you get this sort of feeling of almost sandpaper on your tongue and on the roof of your mouth and you almost want to pat your tongue on the roof of your mouth, that would be indicative of what a tannin would do. You also might get a little bit of firmness, astringentness, or bitterness on the palate or on the tongue when you do that. Now, tannins often get a bad rap in that tannins often are assumed with things like a hangover. Those Sometimes people say, oh, it was the tannins in the wine that caused the hangover, along with sulfites. Sulfites in wine often get a bad rap as well. And outside of being allergic to sulfites, as far as I'm aware, I don't believe that there are any huge allergies to tannins. Tannins nor sulfites are not the primary reason that drives a hangover, despite what people will tell you. The primary reason that drives a hangover is simply dehydration. And so with all of these tricks and tips to avoid a hangover, the primary thing to avoid a hangover, for anyone that's listening and interested, which I think most people don't really enjoy having a hangover, would be to stay hydrated as you drink and obviously drink in moderation. And that kind of brings me to my next point about tannins is polyphenols have been shown to have positive side effects within the body. Polyphenols are an antioxidant and antioxidants obviously prevent things like oxidative stress and they prevent things like certain diseases. But as with anything, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. And so the research is still out on alcohol consumption is moderate to low alcohol consumption beneficial? Does it outweigh the risks of consuming alcohol over a long-term period of time? And there's not really a true clear-cut evidence-informed decision on that. But do wines contain things that are potentially positive? Yes, they do. And those positives lie predominantly in the tannin. The tannin is the most health benefit portion of the wine and the tannin is not responsible for hangovers, despite what people may tell you. So tannins are a big component of wine tasting. Now, what is the the other component that we hear a lot about when we talk about wines, and that is the acid. So acid in wine gives wine its, its taste of tartness. Think about acid like sucking on a lemon. Acid in wine creates sort of puckering within the mouth. It creates this watering within the mouth. So you feel as though the palate is sort of filled with water, filled with brightness. Acid brings zip to wine. It increases the flavor profile of wine. Think about when you're cooking, if you're cooking a sauce or you're cooking a meal, there always has to be an acid component to to that meal. And so adding things like lemon juice or vinegars 
balsamic vinegar, rice wine vinegar, they really brighten up the dish and they can often enhance the flavor. Acid is very similar to salt in that respect. So the acid in wine is giving your mouth that watering feeling, almost the opposite of what a tannin is doing, where the tannin is starting to give you that dry mouth feel. The acid is sort of bringing water and brightness into the mouth. Now the reality of wine is wine has, all wines have these components, even white wines have tannins in them. So there's always a balance of acid and tannin within a wine that allows you as the wine taster to appreciate or understand that that wine might not be for you. And again, it goes back to the point of the best wine is the wine that you like to enjoy the most. So in the terms of the wines that I've picked as my top five, I've tried to, while they are all red, tried to pick a variety of wines across a few different types of wine, as well as a few different price points from a few different regions in the world. I've also tried to pick wines that are, for the most part, readily accessible in either commercial liquor stores, depending upon where you are in the world. So let's get right into it and talk about these wines. Wine number five I've chosen was a wine that I got as a gift and I'd never tasted it before and I think that this is it's a commercially readily available wine and I think that especially if you like bold wines and you're looking to get introduced to wines with a bit more full body to them I think this is a great starting point for discovering wines especially if you like Cabs or Cabernet Sauvignon. So this wine is from California, which is a very well-known winemaking region in the world for bold Cabernet Sauvignon. That's one of the things that they are most well-known for. This is the 2018 is the one that I had, and the wine name is The Show, and the winemaker is Joel Gott. So there are plenty of wines by Joel Gott, but I really enjoyed this Cabernet Sauvignon. The Show, a great entry-level wine, priced in and around $20 Canadian, so it was $19.95 at the LCBO in Ontario where I bought it, so very reasonably priced. Great entry-level wine, especially if you like uh, those big, bold, flavored wines. Number four, I think we're going to stay with California, another California cab, and the reason I picked two cabs is many people enjoy California cabs. When you talk to people regularly, this is a very common type of wine, especially in North America, that people will explore and many people enjoy them. So this again is a very readily available commercial wine. I had the 2018 and this wine was a wine, one of the first wines that I got when I started to explore wine in a little bit more depth. And what I was doing was just going out and buying random wines because I didn't really know what wines I was interested in. And the only way that you understand what flavor profiles you like or what wine regions you like is to buy wines from different regions. And if you really enjoy a wine, start to explore a wine from that region a little bit more. Start to explore the different grape types and what those mean within the region. And then just start to buy wines from that region and see if you, in fact, enjoy many wines from that region or you want to move on to another. So I just grabbed this wine off the shelf. And this now has become one of my sort of go-to table wines that I will regularly have at least a bottle of on hand. Uh, I think it is a little bit smoother than the 
the show by Joel Gott a little bit more complex, a little bit more full-bodied, and I would say maybe a step up from the Joel Gott. And this is the 2018 Firestone Cabernet Sauvignon coming in at the same price point, $19.95. So those are the two cabs on the list. Joel Gott's The Show and Firestone Cab, both from California. Both great entry-level wines, very readily available commercially. Wine number three. I think for me this wine is the steal of the list. So this is a Spanish wine, which this is where the majority of my interest now lies. These are, again, big, bold wines. And the majority of the wines that I am interested in come from uh, regions in Spain in the northeast, uh, the Rioja region, or La Rioja, and Prioriat. And these regions in the northeast are some of the more regulated regions within Spain, and Spain has wine regulations very similar to Italy and very similar to France. And in countries where there are strict wine regulations, you know that the production of the wine, if you see certain acronyms on bottles, is going to be, or even certain words, is going to be a little bit more controlled, and therefore the premise is that the quality of the wine that you're going to get is a little bit better. So in Spain, the acronyms that you're looking for in the bottle is DOP, and this stands for, in English, Protected Denomination of Origin. And what this is is a regulatory label that means that this wine has gone through the highest standards of wine production. And of the DOP wines, the regions that are the highest regions of wine production and standards are Rioja and Prioria in the Northeast, as I just mentioned. So common names that you see on the front of Spanish wines, you'll look for that acronym of DOP, and then you might see the word Crianza. Other common words that you might see on the front are Reserva or Gran Reserva. And these three words relate to how long the wine has aged for. So a Crianza wine has aged for two years with at least six months of that in barrels, and I should say at least two years. Reserva wines have been aged for at least three years with at least 12 months in barrel. And lastly, Grand Reserva have been aged for the longest at at least five years aging with 18 months at minimum in barrel. So the longer a wine ages in barrel, the longer it's got to start to develop its flavors and draw flavors out of the particular wood type that the barrel is made from with one of the more common types of barrel being oak barrel. And oak often gives flavors of vanilla and earthiness to wine. So you could assume the longer it ages in barrel, the more complex the wine may become. This wine coming in at number three is a Tempranillo. It is a 2010 wine that is readily available commercially. It is from the Castilla-La Mancha region in Spain, which is central in Spain. And this winemaker is from Valdepanas, which is about two hours south of Madrid. And Castilla-La Mancha is the biggest region within Spain in terms of wine production. The name of the winemaker is Anciano. So you're looking for an Anciano Tempranillo. 2010 is the year. And again, look in the Spain section of most commercial wine stores, or if you're in Ontario within the LCBO, this wine is $14. 
So this is the cheapest wine on the list. If you like a big, bold wine, I think that this is a great wine to explore at $14. If you enjoy something that is a little bit less body, more fruity, this wine may not be for you. But if you enjoy, again, the big, bold, firm wines, uh, this wine for me is the biggest steal. And as far as wines that I've had so far, this wine for the price point has to rank as one of the nicest wines that I've had. So make sure that you check this wine out, Anciano Tempranillo 2010. Coming in at number two, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and I didn't want to have all of the wines be big, bold, firm wines because I know that's not for everybody. So I chose a wine that's a little bit of a lighter grape type. As a result of being a little bit of a lighter grape type, these wines are a little bit more finicky in harvest. They The grapes can break down. So the winemaking process in terms of having to be more dialed in is definitely something that needs to happen. This wine is a Pinot Noir. Pinot Noirs typically are a little bit more fruity and light. Pinot Noirs you can have with lighter dishes, meals like fish or white fish, light sauce, pasta. And so for people that really are getting into red wine, they'll often start with Pinots. And this Pinot Noir comes from Ontario, about 45 minutes away from where I live. Uh, it comes from the 20 mile bench region in Ontario, in Jordan, Ontario. The winemaker is Flat Rock and the vintage or year type that I had was the 2016 Gravity Edition. Now, this wine is hard to find, and Flat Rock is well-known for their Pinot Noirs, often award-winning Pinot Noirs. So any Gravity Pinot Noir vintage sells out quite quickly. Now, I had the 2016. I do know that the 2017 is currently in stores and available. The 2017 is coming in a little bit pricier than the previous three at around $34.95 Canadian, so you are going to pay a little bit more for it but in my opinion, it's well worth it. Now, if you've been drinking a lot of Pinots and you want to explore a Pinot with a little bit more earthiness to it and less fruit, a little bit more boldness to it, I would say that especially the 2016, I can't speak for the other vintages, but the, the, the 2016 has a little bit more earthiness to it, which I really, really enjoy based on the fact that I like those type of flavors already. But soon enough, uh, I'm going to be doing a vertical tasting of these wines, which I'm really excited about. A vertical tasting is essentially tasting the same wine over many years. So we're going to be doing the 2014, 15, 16, and 17. So I may come back and say one vintage for me was better than the other. And this just allows you to look at the same wine over many years and understand the different changes that might have contributed to the wine taste for that year. Maybe it was the climate, maybe it was the seasons, Maybe it was the amount of rain that year that changed the soil and ultimately changed the grape type. So it's really, really a nice way to look at one wine across a number of years and understand its evolution. So great Canadian winemaker, definitely a wine that you want to check out if you have an interest in Pinot Noirs or if you're a white drinker and want to start getting into reds. Pinot Noirs in general are a great way to enter into tasting reds. And if you like the earthiness of wine, I'd highly recommend this 2016 Gravity Edition Pinot Noir from Flat Rock Cellars. 
Now for the number one wine of 2020 that I have tasted. And I would say that this wine is far above the previous four in terms of complexity, taste, and it was just in terms of the flavor profiles that I enjoy in wine, pretty much perfect. And I don't drink a lot of these wine types, but for whatever reason, uh, this wine was, was fantastic. So this wine is an Italian wine coming from central Italy in the region of Tuscany in the province of Siena from the town of Montalcino. And Montalcino is a really famous wine-making town known for a particular wine type known as Brunello or Brunello del Montalcino. And Brunello wines are made from a grape type in Italy that's a very famous grape type known as Sangiovese. This wine comes from Frescobaldi Winery and is the Castello Giocondo Brunello. I had the 2014. I know that there are different vintages and the price will depend upon the vintage. So the 2014 came in at $52 Canadian. I know there are other vintages upwards of $150 to $175. If you can find this wine, it's a little bit more difficult to find. It's going to be in the vintages section wherever you're looking. But if you can find any year of this wine, I would suggest, and if you can afford it, I would suggest that you try it. This, again, by far in 2020 was the, the best wine that I had. I had a few Brunellos in 2020. This was the best Brunello that I had for my flavor profile and is an excellent, excellent wine. I think why I enjoyed it so much, it's got a really bold tannin structure to it. It has a lot of firmness to it, and it probably is a wine that needs to sit a little bit before you drink it. When we talked earlier about tannins, one of the reasons why you aerate a wine or you let a wine decant, so you might pour a wine out in a decanter or you might use an aerator, is to smooth out some of the tannins and allow oxygen to come into the wine and allow the flavor to morph. That's also one of the reasons why if you decant a wine, the wine starts to taste different over time. So you might have a glass 30 minutes in and then you might have a glass 90 minutes in. You start to enjoy the wine a little bit more or less. Decanting often takes the firmness out of the wine and will soften up the tannins within it. So sometimes people will suggest that you decant a wine based on that. Now for me, I enjoy the firm aspect of the tannin structure within wine. So I would still maybe drink a glass of this right away without aerating it or decanting it. Either way you do it, this wine is fantastic regardless of whether you drink it right from the bottle right away or you let it decant or aerate for an hour a really really amazing wine can't stress that enough so if you can get the castel giocondo brunello di monticino by frescobaldi any year make sure this holiday season if you're treating yourself you try and, and check out that wine really really great so those are my five wines from 2020 that i really really enjoyed in terms of price point accessibility, starting all the way down at $14, ending at $52, going over a few different types from the regions in Spain, Tempranillo, to the Pinot Noirs of Canada, the Cabs of California, and ultimately ending up in Italy with the famous Brunello made from the Sangiovese grape. Unfortunately, 
I don't drink a lot of white wine, so I don't have a ton of white wine suggestions for you. Maybe next year in 2021, I'll make a note of tasting more white wine so I can do five white wines to suggest during the holiday season. But if you have a white wine that you really, really enjoy, feel free to leave it in the comments below. Further to that, if you have a red wine or red wines that you've enjoyed, especially if you've found some gems that are very reasonably priced, feel free to reach out to me. I'm always looking at reds to enjoy, especially Spanish reds. Leave those in the comments below. As always, folks, I hope that you take an opportunity to enjoy these wines or explore them over the holidays and that you have a safe and happy holiday season. I hope that you found this podcast episode to be of value as always. Have a great weekend and we will see you in the next one. Thank you.